on behalf of the Mayapur Institute and on behalf of the students, it's really been a pleasure for, for us to, to have you teaching this most confidential section of the Srimad Bhagavatam. It's a big, big support for us and a source of inspiration and encouragement to, to keep these programs going. And uh, we really look forward to, to have you in the future for the 11th Canto. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, the next year will be the 10th Canto also. Yeah. So next the 10th Canto. Hmm. Okay, well, my, I'm very grateful to you for this opportunity to, um, to be with you to facilitate as you said, this most confidential section of the Bhagavatam. And uh, it's been good for me. I hope it's been somehow helpful for all of you, the devotees, the students. And uh, yes, on, onwards, continue, everyone. Continue the program. It's very good. Mm -hmm. So thank you, and I will provide you with the link for the for the recordings as soon as I get them. Okay. Sometimes it takes me a few days because I'm not like uh, in control of that. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to do it. No, that's, that's all right. Truth be told, we've been um, making um, audio recordings <laughs> of, of everything, and my assistant has been posting them on SoundCloud. <laughs> So, but anyway, yeah, so there's no rush for that. Okay. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare. Thank you. Jai. <clears throat> okay. So today is our final day for the five chapters, the Rasalila Panchadhyaya, <clears throat> or sometimes called Panchadhyayi, and the time has gone quickly, but here we are. We are where we are. So let's begin with Mangala Charana, and then we'll jump jump right in. Omagyana Timarandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shigurami Namaha Shri Chaitanya Mano Vishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupakaramahyam Dadati Svapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yutta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavangscha Shri Rupam Sagradatam Sahagana Raghunatang Vitang Tang Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitangscha Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswate Devi 
गौरवानी प्रचारिणे गोपेश गोपिका कांता राधाकांता नमोस्तुते तप्तकांचन गौरांगी राधे वृंदावनेश्वरी ऋषभानुसुते देवी प्रणमामि हरि प्रिय जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैत गदाधर शिवासादि गौर भक्तविंद हरे कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे ओम नमो भागवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भागवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भागवते वासुदेवाय नारायण नमस्कृत नारम छवनुक्तम देवी सरस्वती व्यास तथो जय उदीरायेत नष्ट प्रयेशु नित्यम भागवत सगवतुतम श्लोक भक्तिर्भवतीमद्भागवत पुराणमल यदवैष्णवान प्रिय यस्मस्यम एकमलंग्यानंपरंगीयतेमाभिस्कृतमस्कृतमस्कृतमस्कृतमस्कृतमस्कृतमस्कृतमस्कृतमस्कृतमस्कृतमस्कृतमस्कृतमस्कृतम
There we are. Um, <laughs> back up to... Where am I? Oh, yeah, we might have something interesting today. <laughs> okay. So, um, where have we been and where are we going? Uh, Krishna has returned in chapter 32 after his uh, apparent disappearance, mm, which caused so much, so much anxiety, uh, spiritual anxiety for, uh, for the gopis. And we talked a little about how they are welcoming Krishna back, uh, each in their own specific ways. Uh, it's referring to the eight gopis uh, without naming them one after another, how they, how they relate with Krishna. So it's uh, hinting at the, yeah, the personalism, the individual character of each one. Um, we also considered a little bit the idea of the mandala and how this, in chapter 32, the, the scene of Krishna with the gopis on the bank of the Yamuna, Krishna surrounded by the gopis, is anticipating the mandala, the ultimate mandala of the rasa dance proper. Mm. And uh, how there are ways of, we, we notice different um, mandala patterns, either physical or conceptual, uh, in, in other sections of the Bhagavatam, other passages. And uh, probably we, we, we came up with a few of them, and no doubt there are more that we could discover uh, with some further thought. We came to the end of chapter 32, where the gopis present a riddle to Krishna about um, exchange different kinds of different types of exchange between people in general in terms of friendship and love and their riddle is meant to kind of provoke Krishna um, and get an answer from him why exactly did he leave them and he gives them an answer which is um, I left. I left in order to increase your um, attachment for me. We also talked about mm, Kavikarnapura's. We just touched on the beginning of it. Uh, his explanation of Upama in his um, his book on. Sanskrit poetics. 
I, I may have mentioned there, there are really several uh, types of upama or comparison, analogy or simile. And it could be an interesting ex exercise to see if all the different types of comparison are represented in the Bhagavatam. Um, yeah, and so today we want to proceed with the final grand finale. But before we do... Um, <laughs> Someone had a comment or a question from yesterday, or did we? I heard about it. Oh, yes, Sanantagor G. Uh, Maharaj, the, you were saying the commentary of, uh, of yesterday in the commentary of Bhad Vashnav Tosni. Hmm. In the first paragraph and the last paragraph, uh, and last lines, they were showing that why. Uh, one cannot just break the family bondage and the friends, etc. But if even if we see both of them, they were looking very non-conclusive about how to break it. So, that was my question. So, I couldn't get any conclusion from that. Uh, well, mm, I, I don't... I'd have to go back to that uh, section, but for me to go back to it is technically a bit time-consuming with this file. <clears throat> so I would just say very generally, the commentators, including um, including Sanatan Goswami, because they're, they're, they're doing what's called running, in English, it's usually called running commentary. So it just means they're taking the particular verse and um, analyzing that one verse, that specific verse. Now, this is somewhat different um, often, very often in Srila Prabhupada's commentary, in his purports. He's... He's making the verse into more like a springboard for preaching. So there's many, many of Prabhupada's purports where within one or two pages he's giving in a sort of compact way the entire philosophy of Krishna consciousness. <laughs> and then, you know, it comes down usually in the last paragraph, therefore, <laughs> uh, we have to surrender to Krishna, we should follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we should chant Hare Krishna, and we should spread Krishna consciousness all over the world. <laughs> you know, sort of, he takes the verse as a springboard. But uh, the more traditional acharyas, I would say, they're generally not doing that. They're more just sticking to the verse and saying, well, we can understand First, they're usually clarifying basic things, and then they're saying, we can understand this uh, word or this phrase in this way, or possibly this way. And someone might object. Uh, they'll sometimes um, express a purva paksha and give some refutation. 
So I would say in this context, Sanatana Goswami doesn't see it as his job uh, to give an explanation of how to become free from attachment from family. Maybe he does that elsewhere, or we we might want to say that's what he does in his Brihad um, Bhagavatamrita with the whole story of Gopa Kumar. Although, I don't know, I don't think he talks about family there. But anyway, so that would be my my thought on this subject. Is that okay? Yes, Maharaj. Thank you, Maharaj. <laughs> okay. Okay, anyone else have any uh, thoughts, reflections from anything so far? I think we're all a little bit... Um, I think we're all perhaps a little bit stunned um, by the Rasalila Panchadhyaya because it's so rich, because there's so much. And when when we look in the commentaries and see how the, the richness multiplies, uh, then we're kind of left with a sense of um, maybe it's something like Adbhuta Bhava, uh, the mood of of wonder, just sort of wondering, wondering at it. So, oh, Anantagora again. Uh, I also had one confusion, like Prabhupada would sometimes say that Brahmacharya should not even think about meditate on the pastimes of Krishna with the gopis. Hmm. And then uh, we have this verse. Here we are. This is that now. Hedarogam that uh, if you hear this meditation once pastimes, then the lust from the heart goes away. So how do we reconcile both the things together? Ah, okay. Well, uh, that's a huge topic, and it's the topic of what in Western language, English language, is called hermeneutics. <laughs> and we have a whole course uh, which is running well as we speak. Um, that's been developed by the Shastra Advisory Council over some years, and uh, it's being run um, by devotees who have created the course. Um, and eventually, perhaps you can also attend the course. Um, it's developed a systematic way of addressing such questions, um, understanding how, how, to, how to clarify understandings, because Shastra many times seems to say different things. We seem to have conflicting instructions. So how do we deal with that? Actually, this is coming all the time. Um, I should say this course is a bit controversial. Uh, some, some of the senior devotees, just some, not, most not, but there are some senior devotees who are questioning whether this course is, um, is appropriate. Um, because the word hermeneutics means interpretation, and sometimes Prabhupada would say, no need to interpret. 
But then we have to look at what he means by that. <laughs> and we see he had a sort of restricted memory of, uh, sorry, a restricted uh, meaning of the word interpretation because um, a broader sense of interpretation shows uh, we, we become aware that we are interpreting every moment of the day. Um, we're interpreting what we see. We're interpreting what people speak to us. Um, and yes, we're, we're interpreting Shastra in that we are taking meaning from it. So how best to do that? Uh, sadhu Shastra Guru Vakya Hridaye Kuriya Aikya Because we want to arrive at an Aikya, at a, 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 a singularity, um, a single clear understanding. How do we do that? Um, there, it's it's a skill and it's an art, um, and more specifically to your question, though, I would say whenever we well now more generally, but when we see an apparent contradiction. Our first tendency is to want to come to a conclusion which is either this or that. Because our mind says it can't be both. That's why the question is there. It's either this or it's that. But uh, what we want to do in many cases when we are confronted with such a dichotomy is to see how to look more deeply, to understand um, how is it possible, or is it possible that the conclusion is somehow both and. Uh, so that's, that's the general, that's the general point. But uh, briefly to your question, I would just say that Let's um, not forget, Srila Prabhupada wrote his summary of the 10th canto, which included the, the Rasa dance, um, which he wanted distributed, not just for brahmacharis to read, for the whole world, for people on the street who had absolutely no clue about anything. So we can say he was taking this final verse, this Palashruti verse, very seriously, that everyone will benefit. And I was just reading, Sanatana Goswami, Goswami emphasizes, it's for everyone. Everyone can benefit from hearing. But, of course, it's a question of learning to hear in, in the proper way, that therefore we study the whole Bhagavatam. Hmm. Okay. Is that our... Is that okay? Okay. So, <clears throat> oh, um, now, also, before I forget, um, I want to share something with you. I don't remember that I did this last time we met. If we did, my apologies. I wanted to... Oh, one second. Let's put that down and that down and put 
this back up. I'm going to share screen in a minute. Okay. Where am I? Yes, here we go. Okay, so um, now Fox down. Hmm. Okay. Bear with me. Here we go. I just wanted to call your attention to this website. Um, we have a project uh, that's been going on for some, well, some years now. Uh, myself and Radhika Raman Prabhu in America are leading this group uh, of scholars and it's called the Bhagavata Purana Research Project, um, and you can you can browse it at your leisure. It's uh, just bhagavatapurana.org. And uh, one thing in particular I want to show you is a film we made. Uh, this is called India's Book of Wisdom the Bhagavata Purana. It's on YouTube. It's a one-hour-long film. Uh, we did much of the filming for this. Um, it's The main substance of it is interviews uh, with scholars of the Bhagavatam, which we, we did the interviews in the beginning of 2017. Uh, at a conference that we organized in Chennai. And um, the idea of the film is to introduce the Bhagavatam in trying to make it in an interesting way, but also for, for an educated audience, um, people who would appreciate uh, this, this kind of presentation. So anyway... Mm, we have uh, we have several several scholars involved uh, in this project, and you may want to ask, well, wh what kind of research is this? What what is the need of research? That's another thing. Prabhupada sometimes would say, "There's no need of research; <laughs> it's all there." Yes, it's all there, and uh, there's so much research. There's lifetimes of research that can be done on the Bhagavatam. Uh, specifically, what we have going now is, for example, the Bhagavata Purana bibliography, uh, which is a project based at the Bandarkar Oriental Research Institute in Pune. We have scholars there who are combing through library catalogs of India uh, and other sources, finding all things related to the Bhagavatam. That means commentaries, commentaries on commentaries, modern scholarship, um, publications, translations, transcreations in the many different languages. 
There are dramas which are based on the Bhagavatam. Uh, there's just endless material. So that's one initiative. Uh, we also have an, a Bhagavata art history initiative, which is run by uh, some scholars who are art historians, and they are collecting uh, digitally uh, all the art related to the Bhagavatam, the visual art that can be found uh, anywhere in the world, and sort of bringing that together, and eventually uh, the idea is to make a special website just for that so it can be seen with explanations and so on. And another project uh, is Bhagavata Traditions in Maharashtra. Uh, we have the same picture there. Uh, two years ago, in 2020, March, we were... Mm, all ready to have a conference at the University of Mumbai with several scholars speaking on this topic. And one day before the conference was to take place, we had to cancel because of COVID. So we didn't have the conference, but still there is a plan, excuse me, to compile a book on Bhagavata traditions um, in Maharashtra. And this will be a mo model for developing uh, research on Bhagavata traditions in all the other states of India, um, beginning with probably Bengal and Odisha. So these are, you know, lifetimes of work, but... Uh, it's all for the glory of the Bhagavatam. And uh, one, one more project which we haven't, which you won't find anything about on the website, but we are beginning to plan, and that is a Bhagavata Purana wiki. Uh, this can be quite major project. Uh, making it possible for people to go on the internet and look up any, for example, any name in the Bhagavatam and find out about those persons, personalities. Um, there can be geography, history, um, all kinds of things, everything related to the Bhagavatam. Yeah. So that's... That plan is there. So you're, you're welcome. This, by the way, is a... Um, the home of this research project is the Oxford Center for Hindu Studies. And they also have a website. And if you want to visit there, you may find interesting things also. Um, they have courses, online courses... And um, I don't think it's quite developed yet, um, but their plan is, to, they've mainly, the, the courses, the online courses have been mainly for Westerners, um, 
who are able to pay Western fees. <laughs> uh, and as I understand, the plan is to extend it more, to make it more accessible for India <clears throat> at more human, humanly uh, accessible fees, if you like. Okay. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Chai. All right, chapter 33. Let's see. Oops. So we have um, we have two verses in chapter thirty-three which are identified for memorization. Uh, verse number twenty-nine and verse number thirty-nine, the very last verse. Um, before we get there, though, let's review. Let's look again at what is happening um, prior to these. Um, so the, the gopis have welcomed Krishna uh, and now is going to commence the rasa dance itself. Uh, specifically, the description begins with verse number three. Mm. Rasotsava sampravitta. Gopi mandala mandita. So we even have the word mandala here. Yogeshvarena krishnena ta sam madye dvayor dvayoho. Pravishtena grihitanam kante sva nikatangstriya. Yang manyeran nabastavat vimana shatasankulam. Divokasam sadaranam otsukya paritatma otsukya paritatmanam. The festive rasa dance commenced with the gopis arrayed or dressed or uh, standing or arranged in a circle. Lord Krishna expanded himself and entered between each pair of gopis. And as that master of mystic power placed his arms around their necks, each girl, uh, though he was standing next, uh, each girl thought he was standing next to her alone. The demigods and their wives were overwhelmed with eagerness to witness the rasa dance. And they soon crowded the sky with their hundreds of celestial airplanes. <laughs> the celestial airplanes of the demigods uh, appear several times in the Bhagavatam. Sometime I would like to see a model of such a celestial airplane what what do they actually 
What do they actually look like? They're sometimes referred to as flower airplanes, I believe. Um, but they they seem to be uh, they seem to have a certain degree of capacity to kind of float in one place. So they're not like airplanes that are you know zo zooming across the sky. Um, perhaps they're more like helicopters, celestial helicopters. Uh, in any case, they they apparently enable the uh, passengers to view what's happening on Earth very nicely. They can they can see everything that's going on, and perhaps they can also hear what's going on, because here the demigods are witnessing the rasa dance. Um, and uh, in their eagerness, they're crowding the sky. So it was not a very private affair, it seems. It, it, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a quite public affair in some respect. Um in the purport, we have this nice verse from Srila Bilvan Mangala Thakur. Anganam anganam antara madhavo madhavang madhavam chantarena anganaha ittama kalpite mandale madhyaga sanjagao venuna devaki nandana. Lord Madhava was situated between each pair of gopis and a gopi was situated between each pair of his manifestations. And Sri Krishna, the son of Devaki, also appeared in the middle of the circle, playing upon his flute and singing. It's explained, uh, by the way, perhaps you know this already, that uh, the name Devaki is also a name of Yashoda, according to our commentators. Uh, and therefore, it's appropriate, even though this is happening in Braj, and this is Krishna and the gopis, and you'd think, okay, maybe, maybe it would be appropriate to refer to Krishna as the son of Yashoda, so why this mention of Devaki? Uh, answer, because Devaki is a name of Yashoda, so it's referring also, or it's referring to Yashoda. That's one explanation that's given. We talked about this public nature of the rasa dance um, briefly. Uh, it's secluded and intimate and Indeed, we were talking about who has the adhikar to even hear about it. Um, and yet we understand that uh, the demigods are all watching. And one might say, well, yes, demigods, because they are very exalted. Uh, they are divinities, so they, sh they certainly would be qualified, but ordinary persons, no. Um, in any case, um, as is mentioned in the purport, uh, I guess it's here, it's in my notes, uh, 
that this was the ultimate religious affair um, by virtue of the fact that the demigods are approving of the dance. Uh, we understand that it's a religious dance because otherwise the, the devas uh, would not, they would not approve. If it were something mundane, they would condemn. Uh, the demons might approve, but the devas um, would not approve. Um, okay, then, oh yes, let's, let's move now to, yeah, there's a lot of description. Uh, it, one point about the, the description in this chapter of the Rasa dance, it's that it's actually very short. It's like after all of this buildup uh, to... Finally, we get to the actual rasa dance. And then the actual rasa dance is described in only about 10 verses. But it's a very dense description, and it's a description which has inspired um, devotees and, and the acharya devotees and so many to elaborate, to expand on uh, I'll come back to that point in a minute. Mm. Tumultuous sound arose from the armlets, anklet, ankle bells, and waist bells of the gopis as they sported with their beloved Krishna. We talked about this in the circle of the rasa dance. Oh, another point I wanted to make, jumping back a little bit, uh, this description of Krishna holding the necks of the gopis. This may strike us as a little bit strange. Um, it's explained that this is a traditional dance form. It's a folk dance form. You'll see in probably every country of the world, they have their folk dances. And many of these will be some sort of circle dance. Uh, they might be sort of men only or women only, or they may be combined. Um, but folk dance, what's usually called folk dance, uh, will often be in such a such a such an arrangement, being in a circle. And then uh, where they might be kind of holding each other by the hands or by the shoulders, they might, you know, sort of weave hands and shoulders or elbows. In this case, it says uh, holding the necks. So that's interesting. <laughs> but the point is, it's a kind of, a rasa dance is a traditional folk dance that's uh, described, uh, I believe, in South India. Okay. Um, yeah, more details. This is verse number seven. As the gopis sang in praise of Krishna, their feet danced, their hands gestured, 
Their eyebrows moved with playful smiles, with their braids and belts tied tight, their waists bending, their faces perspiring, the garments on their breasts moving this way and that, and their earrings swinging on their cheeks. Lord Krishna's young consorts shone like streaks of lightning in a mass of clouds. Um, the gopis sang. So this would be a prompt for uh, other for devotees to expand on, to elaborate on extensively. And this is what, for example, Krishna Das Kaviraj does. Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami and his Govinda Lilamrita toward uh, Almost at the end of the Govinda Lilamrita, he describes the Rasa dance. Uh, and one thing he includes there is a list of all the different ragas that uh, Krishna and the gopis were singing. Several different ragas. Uh, there are lists of, of instruments that they played. I always w wondered how the instruments came there because Krishna was just there alone with his flute in the forest and suddenly the gopis are there. Um, one doesn't read about them bringing instruments with them, but somehow this could be something arranged by Yoga Maya. Um, that would be my first guess as part of her task from the background, arranging the rasa dance. Uh, was to provide all the necessary paraphernalia. In any case, uh, they're singing, and of course, they're dancing. And the dancing is highly skilled. Oh, one, one more point about ragas. It's said in, uh, which, yeah, in the purport uh, to verse 8, there are as many musical ragas as there are species of life, according to uh, a text on music called the Sangita Sara. So that means there's 84 lakhs of ragas. Among these ragas are 16,000 principal ones, which were manifest by the gopis. Thus, the gopis created 16,000 different ragas, or musical modes, and these have subsequently been disseminated throughout the world. The words yat gitenedam avritam also indicate that even today, devotees throughout the world sing the praises of Krishna following the example of the gopis. I think this is something which is yet to be developed in our temples, uh, something I appreciated uh, in a couple of temples in Vrindavan. Uh, one is the Radharaman temple, and uh, the other is the... Uh, not a, not a Gaudiya temple, the Radhavallapa temple. They have um, what is called Samaj Gayana, and 
a very developed tradition of, uh, of very sweet music singing every morning and evening. In the Radhavalama temple, they would sing very, very sweet uh, bhajans, which are collected in three volumes of books. Um, and in the Radharaman temple, um, there's there. Whenever I would go, practically any time, many devotees you go, and there will be a bhajaniya, a kirtaniya, sing, sitting in the. Alcove. Some of them are are quite accomplished music, musicians. While I was doing research there in uh, two thousand one, there was a a young lady uh, from Italy who would come every day at noon and sing for Krishna, and sh her singing was stunningly expert. Uh, she had ob obviously had training in Indian classical music. Later I found out she's a musicologist. She has written books uh, on Raj music and so on. Uh, this is, uh, of course, we have our 24-hour kirtans, which are fantastic, uh, nothing to compare in Vrindavan, especially established uh, by the late Indra Prabhu. Um, but um, and in Sridham Mayapur we have wonderful bhajan bhajaniyas kirtaniyas. Um, I think all of this can be developed. Mm, something we need more of, especially in the West. We don't have very much of this. Well, I wanted to give a little sample <clears throat> from uh, Govinda Lilamrita. Krishnadas Kaviraj, I think he was just having some fun when he, he wrote this. He is describing the dancing of Krishna and then of Radha. So that here's a verse which is describing Krishna's dancing. Todik dam dam kita kita gana jem tokku to dikku are jem dram jem dram Kiti 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 dam, jenku jem, jenku jem, jem. Todik dam, dam, drimmy 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 dam, kenku jem, kanku jem, dram. Agatyaiva, natati saharis, charupata prabandam. Translation As Lord Krishna danced, his tinkling ornaments eloquently proclaimed. And then it's just. Todik dam dam kita kita kanajem etc. And then we have a similar verse describing Shimati Radharani's dancing. Do you want to hear this? Yes, Maharaj. Yes, <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Just checking, see if you're there. Um, here we go. Dam dam drik drik chan chan ninan nan ninan nang ninang nam. Tut tuk tun tun guru 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 dam dram guru dram guru dram. Dek dek do do kiriti kiriti dram dreamy dram dreamy dram. Agatyaivam muhuriha muda 
Shi Madi Sha Madi Sha Nanarta. As Shimati Radharani happily danced, her tinkling ornaments proclaimed Dam Dam Drik Drik Chan Chan Nidam, etc. So it goes like that. And then we also have a description of uh, the sound of Mridanga. Drimi 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 do do mridangadina dai kana 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 vina shabda mishrayar vishaka natati janana jhang chat kar yalankara jala drigiti drigiti driktai to tato to bruvana. The mridangas and other drums recited drimi 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 do 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 etc. The Venas sang Kana Kana Kana. Vishaka danced and her tinkling ornaments proclaimed Drik Iti, Drik Iti, Drik Tai To, Tato, To. <laughs> yes. When I read such verse, I think, oh, how wonderful it would be to meet Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami. <laughs> okay, so so the dance is described. Uh, oh, there's one more verse mm, to mention something about. Yes, verse number nine. <clears throat> verse number number nine. Um, goes like this. One gopi joining Lord Mukunda in his singing sang pure melodious tones that rose harmoniously above his. Krishna was pleased and showed great appreciation for her performance, saying, Excellent! Excellent! Then another gopi repeated the same melody, but in a special metrical pattern, and Krishna praised her also. Now, I mention this because this particular verse is discussed uh, at quite some length by a professional musicologist <laughs> who is also my godbrother, uh, Sanjay Prabhu. He is a professor of ethnomusicology in uh, Tulane University in America. And he wrote an article which we included uh, in our book, maybe I showed you this last time, it's a collection of 12 articles um, thematically introducing the Bhagavatam. And uh, so he, he wrote an article, his, his civil name is Guy Beck. He says it's called Two Braj Basha Versions of the Rasalila Panchadhyayi. Rasalila Panchadhyayi 
and their musical performance in Vaishnava worship. So he's carefully uh, studied this, this subject. And um, he, he discusses specifically this verse, and he uh, shows us an elaboration on this verse by Kavikarnapura in his Ananda Vrindavan Jampu, which he translates. So I want to share that. He says, One gopi joining Krishna in his singing sang pure melodious tones with full feeling in the Gandharva scale made pleasant by suitable jati, which means parent scales, shruti, microtones, and gamakas, tremolo effects. Pleased, Krishna showed great appreciation for her performance, saying, excellent, excellent. Sadhu, sadhu. She pleased Krishna by singing the seven notes of the scale embellished with 22 shrutis, microtones, presented with the principal ornaments in the introductory passages, alapa. Now, he goes on in this article, actually before this translation, he goes on to, um, let's say, lightly criticize the translation of the BBT, he says, uh, essentially, he says, well, um, for not being familiar with, uh, with music, with the science of Indian music, it's fine. But uh, because they don't know the music tradition, therefore they couldn't, uh, they couldn't highlight something which is in the verse, which... Uh, which uh, in the Sanskrit, which is not in the translation. Essentially, he's making the point that the first part is describing an alapa, alap, as it would be called in Hindi. And the second part is drupad. Drupad, uh, or druvapada. And drupad is, you know, very, uh, it's very high, um, classical musical form of North India. So anyway, the the point is that we are, we are to understand that the gopis are super expert musicians, singers, excuse me, and dancers. Uh, they're the they are the this is the primordial dance. Uh, this is the the ultimate pastime of Lord Krishna and the gopis, and so it's uh, it's on the highest level of skill as well as beauty. Okay, I wanted to now. Uh, let's see, how are we with time? Okay. Now I wanted to revisit uh, verse number 16 to look at uh, 
Sanatan Goswami's commentary. This is uh, where Krishna, it's a comparison, it's an analogy verse. Mm. In this way, Lord Sri Krishna, the original Lord Narayana, master of the goddess of fortune, took pleasure in the company of the young women of Raja by embracing them, caressing them, and glancing lovingly at them as he smiled his broad, playful smiles. It was just as if a child were playing with his own reflection. Okay, let's go now to uh, the commentary of Sanatana Goswami. And for this, oops, takes a short time to get there. We're almost there. Okay, now I can share the screen. Okay. Um, oh, one second. All right. Anyway. So um, let's see what Sanatana Goswami has to say. First, he's giving some general clarification, I would say, of the verse. He embraced them and took their hands, karabhi marsha, or he touched their breasts with his hands. He glanced at their faces with relish. Their clothing became loose, uddhama vilasa. He smiled with great love. He was the lord of Lakshmi, Ramesha. Although he was her lord, uh, she was not qualified for the rati displayed at this time, but the gopis were qualified, Rajasundaribhi. They were superior to Lakshmi in bhava and skills. An example is given to show that Krishna and the gopis were equal. Mm. And now he comes to this analogy and he discusses it at some, some length. As a boy is not dissimilar from his reflection. So Krishna was not dissimilar from the gopis. Just as the playing boy moves his hand, so his reflected hand moves. And as the reflection moves, the boy imitates that action, so he believes since he is a child. Just as the Lord enjoyed, so the gopis enjoyed. This indicates the beauty of the Lord's rati. That beauty could not be accomplished if there were irregularities. Um, so here I think the point of irregularity is um, because they're perfectly reflecting each other, um, it is perfectly beautiful. I think that's the idea. When they underwent transformations of prema, he also underwent similar transformations. 
And then he quotes from the Vishnu Purana, Gopi kapola sangshlesham abhipatya had erbujau, pulako gamas shashpaya svedambu ganatam gatau. When Krishna's arms contact, contacted the cheek of a gopi, those arms began profusely perspiring, and their hair stood on end like grass. Hmm. Why he's quoting this, I'm not sure. <laughs> or, just as a boy absorbed in playing with his reflection does not know anything else, and enjoys, so the Lord absorbed in the dance did not know anything else. Okay, so here he's shifting the sense of the analogy. Uh, previously it was about imitation and reflection of the same and non-difference, a kind of equality. Um, now he shifts it uh, to make another point, taking the same analogy to say it's about absorption. Krishna was so absorbed in the dancing, just as a boy could be absorbed in looking at his reflection in a pool of water. Or he enjoyed with the gopis by their embraces as described. He embraced similarly. He enjoyed their embraces. He imitated what they did. This shows that they were greater than him. <laughs> so he starts out how the gopis and Krishna are equal, and now he says, well, if we take this back to the, if we take the analogy back to the idea of imitation, then let's think about that more. Who's imitating who? Krishna is imitating the gopis. If Krishna's imitating the gopis, that means the gopis are superior to him. So, <laughs> that's quite something. Um, okay, then uh, let's go to the Satyakama verse, because this leads right up into uh, the, the theological issue. Uh, verse 25. Evam shashankang su virajita nisha sasatyakamo nuratabalakana sisheva atman yavarudha saurata sarva sharatkavya kata rasashraya. Although the gopis were firmly attached to Lord Krishna, whose desires are always fulfilled. The Lord was not internally affected by any mundane sex desire. Still, to perform his pastimes, the Lord took advantage of all those moonlit autumn nights which inspire poetic descriptions of transcendental affairs. Um, I, th I see this as a kind of symmetry, lit literary symmetry, with the first verse of chapter 29, um, when the description of the autumn 
night uh, filled with moonlight is there as the impetus for Krishna to enjoy the rasa dance. So again here, still to perform his pastimes, the Lord took advantage of all those moonlit nights, autumn nights. So this, this still is pointing back to the idea that he is satya kama, his desires are all fulfilled, uh, and he is without mundane sex desire. Okay, let's see. His desires are always pure. Okay, uh, commentary. The pastimes of the rasa dance on that night have been described. Gathering together, other pastimes not mentioned during that night. It is now indicated in summary that this night represented many nights. Hmm. Eva means in this way. It means that other pastimes took place on that night as well. Because they are so many, it is impossible to describe them. Nights is in the plural. This indicates that he performed the rasa dance on all nights during his full Kaishora period. This is stated by Parashara in Vishnu Purana. The word saha indicates he was of Kaishora age. <laughs> I don't know why saha indicates that, um, but okay. Um, and then we get a quote from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. The Komara stage lasts until the age of five, Poganda up to age 10, and Kaishora to age 15. From then on, one is known as Yovana. All right, but that doesn't, that doesn't tell us that Saha indicates Kaishora. Anyway, according to this, Kaishora lasts from 11 to 15 years. It should be understood that Kaishora continues eternally in Gokula. Uddhava says, Tato Nanda Rajam Itaha Pitra Kangsad Vibhidyata Ekadasha Samastatra Gudarchi Sa Balo Avashat Avasat. His father, afraid of Kamsa, brought him to Braja, and for eleven years he lived there with Balaram, like a covered flame. In the Komara and Poganda ages, which are unsuitable, the Rasa dance did not arise. In those periods, Krishna's powers are hidden, since he does not manifest his special qualities as Bhagavan. Thus, it is said, he was like a covered flame. Krishna says to Nanda in Mathura, Dear father, because of us, your two sons, you and Mother Devaki, always remained in anxiety and could never enjoy our Balya, Poganda, or Kaishora. Some people think that his Gokula Rasa pastimes continued into the Yovana period, according to descriptions like the following, when he entered Mathura. And then he quotes from chapter 41 of this 10th canto, 
A lotus-eyed lord walking with the gait of a lordly elephant in rut, creating joy for their eyes with his body, which is the source of pleasure for the divine goddess of fortune, captivated those ladies' minds with playful, bold, smiling glances. Then Sanatana Goswami continues, But this is not so proper. This is contradicted by the following statements. Akrura describes Krishna and Balaram as Kisorao Shamala Shvetao, two boys of Kaishora age, one black and the other white. Kisorao Napta Yovanao, the two boys of Kaishora age, have not reached Yovana, period. The word evam indicates that similar pastimes took place on other nights. All the pastimes recurred as if newly performed, without thinking that the dance and the questions and answers before the dance had happened previously because of the flow of the highest prema. <laughs> so it seems there's a repetition of the drama as such, uh, it seems like he's saying it happens each night. They have the same drama of Krishna disappearing and they have to search for him, uh, which is quite amazing. But his, someone may say, but how can that be possible? And he says, well, there was just so much intense feeling that they forget from one day to the next what happened last time. They don't say, oh, come on, Krishna, don't disappear again. <laughs> we're not proud like we were last yesterday. <laughs> no, it seems to be an ongoing, repeated pastime. Um, hmm, hmm. Now, this is quite a longer purport. Uh, <clears throat> Okay, here we go. I'm jumping down toward the bottom. How was it possible to every day perform the dance in a similar way with similar nights? So the question is raised. Krishna's, here's the answer. Krishna's every desire was fulfilled. Satyakama. One might object. It would be very rare that the gopis came since they were controlled by their husbands and had anger. Hmm. And so replying to that, he was continuously attached, anurata, or strongly attached, or related in all ways to the gopis who had surrendered completely to him, abhalakanaha, or... <laughs> Or, how, quote, how could they deal, sorry, how could they daily meet him? They were not independent because of husbands. Reply, they were completely attached only to him, to the Lord, at all times, ignoring everyone else. Or, because they were equally attached to each other, somewhere, at some time, somehow, they would meet. This is not impossible for him. So because of their attachment, 
they're overcoming all obstacles, I would say is the point. Uh, they were equally attached to each other. So they would somewhere, somehow, sometime they would meet. Another objection. He is the great attractor, the taster of the rasa dance, and for no reason at no time can he be fully satisfied. So this is still discussing uh, that Krishna is described as satyakama, uh, one whose desires are fulfilled. So here's the objection. He is the great attractor, the taster of the rasa dance, and for no reason at no time can he be fully satisfied. That's an objection. That is true, but he is controlled by prema. He has accepted avarudha, all acts of love or the most intense pastimes, surata, since he has appeared as avatar for this purpose. <laughs> he brings it around back to Krishna's mission. Krishna's mission. He's an, he is avatar. Paritranaya sadhanam vinashaya chaduskritam dharma sangstapanartaya sambhavami yuge yuge. Here he says, for this reason, the Lord is appearing as avatar uh, in order to reciprocate the love of his devotees. He gave enjoyment to the gopis without indifference and with inner determination, atmani. He experienced everything personally with great attachment by accepting them within himself. Or he experienced the highest bliss by ignoring his feature as atmarama. <laughs> Yeah, so here we are with uh, the sort of the meeting of of two uh, major principles. One is is a principle of tattva, that the Lord is Atma Rama, and the other principle is that He is Akila Rasamrita Murti. He is the the embodiment uh, of unlimited rasa. And here, Sanatana Goswami suggests uh, to let rasa prevail, Krishna may sometimes ignore his Atmarama character. Going on, not only did he perform the rasa dance as described, but he expressed various types of love in various ways with them. He served those nights throughout the year in which there are seasons, months, and days, or in the autumn, which is beautiful with banks when desire is strong, which are described in poetry. He acted with great affection for that purpose. The reference to poetry means works like Gita Govinda, and Vidagda Madhava. Hmm. Or, in this way he served, he enjoyed, the rasa dance on those nights. Now, during the day also, he performed similar pastimes. 
That is indicated by the word sarva, all. He served pastimes in the autumn or during the year, which are described with great variety, and he served all others as well. These other pastimes are famous in Gita Govinda and as well include the tax and boat pastimes described by Chandidasa. And so ends Sanatana Goswami's commentary to this verse. Uh, interesting, I find, one thing is that Sanatana Goswami is here, in effect, endorsing the Gita Govinda just by referring to it and saying these other pastimes are described there. And of course, he's also uh, endorsing Chandidas, his poetry. So that comes to the end of the description of the Rasa dance. And what we have remaining is Maharaj Pariksit's question and the response of Shukadev Goswami to his question, uh, ending with the uh, Palashruti verse at the end. Okay, so I think... Oops. Um, I think now could be a time to take a break. Um, I have a technical question. I'm just curious. I see always so many times on the chat, I see this BRB. What does that stand for? Be right back, Maharaj. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's standard. I didn't know. <laughs> Be right back. Okay. Okay, so um, any questions, comments about anything of what we've uh, sort of skimmed through just now. <laughs> of course, I should know. Anantagor Sundar will have something. Yes, please. I, I, I just wanted references for you to about Krishna's dance and Radharani's dance. So can you just give us references uh, from the, when you were quoting these slokas? Of, uh... um, yeah, I don't have the chapter number, but it's at the practically the very end of the... Um, Govinda Lilamrita. Um, see if I put the verse number. I think I just copied the, the numbers. Yeah, it was um, it was just verses seven and then verse nine and verse eleven. But I, I'm sorry, I didn't note the chapter number. Um, but it comes very much at the end because the Govinda Lilamrita is a description of uh, the Ashtakaliya Lila of Krishna. So taking each of the periods of the day one after another, um, it's the Rasa Lila and then it's there's a further uh, chapter after Rasalila. So 
and I don't remember the title of that, but uh, something like Midnight Pastimes. Or so um, anyway, that's where that's where you would find it. Thank you, Manas. Mm -hmm. Srinivas Gopal Prabhu. Hare Krishna. This dance was going on in Rasalila. That's what Rasa we are dance. told. Yes. <laughs> so all uh, all are dancing in uh, different different rhythms. Then it's like one person is dancing and one person is watching, or all are dancing. That means in one tune should be. Then why the rhythms are different? Ah, you are asking me. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you if I ever have the good fortune of witnessing it myself, then I can tell you something. <laughs> I think there's many things going on. And, you know, we have a problem with our sense of time um, that we think, well, let's see now, if this is going on simultaneously, that's somehow a problem. Um, and you raise the question, is anybody watching? They're dancing, you know, it's a beautiful performance, but is anyone watching? Well, uh, the, the demigods in the sky, they're watching. So at least that's going on. Um, yeah, you would think if they're simultaneously doing different dances and so on, it becomes just chaos, and then it's not beautiful. I would, I would, if I had to say something, which is halfway reasonable, I would say, well, we just read that the analogy of the uh, reflection of the boy seeing his reflection in water in a mirror, he is imitating so this is also, this is what's going on in the rasa dance. Krishna is following the gopis. So there's a mirroring. And that would suggest that they are not doing different dances simultaneously. They're doing the same. So what uh, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami described as two different, what may be two different rhythms, could be, that he's describing one rhythm that Krishna danced at one time and another rhythm that Radharani danced at another time. Since they're following each other, apparently. Um, yeah. I saw something, well, something like this, not like this. Uh, this was several years ago. I was... Um, I was at the University of Florida. I was teaching there, and uh, there was a, a visiting performer of Odia dance. She, I don't remember her name, but she was apparently quite famous. And she, uh, she did an amazing performance. And then at the end, uh, she spoke to the audience a little bit, explaining... And it sort of came out in a sweet sort of way. She was a little bit expressing that uh, the particular tabla player that uh, the organizers had found for her to, to give her rhythm uh, 
uh, was, you know, not quite up to her speed, her quality. And, and so at the end, sort of spontaneously, she gave a kind of a lesson to the tabla player, teaching him rhythms by her using her feet. So she had her feet with the ankle bells, and she would make a rhythm, and she would say, do like that, and then he would do like that, and then she would do another rhythm, and he would do like that. <laughs> it was quite fascinating to watch. <laughs> we understand that, um, isn't it Krishna learns dancing from the peacocks, or is it the other way around? I think Krishna learns from the peacocks, right? Pimala Prasad Prabhu, you're agreeing. One, one for others, the pleasure of others, they dance. Like for pleasure of Krishna, peacock dance. Yes. And for the pleasure of peacock, Krishna dance. Okay, that is also there. But I think Srimati Radharani is also teaching Krishna to dance, isn't it? Yeah, that's there in... in uh... Padyavali, there are verses like that. Okay. Where Lalita, Lalita says that, like, you go to the yeah. bank of uh, Yamuna, you will see this guy, uh, like, dancing in the image of Radharani. Right, right. Following the image of Radharani. Ah, yes. Of course, Krishna also teaches Radharani to play the flute, right? I've seen that performed uh, by the, uh, the Ras the Ras Leela uh, boys, the young boys in Brad, in Brindavan performing that. That's quite humorous. Uh, Krishna is trying to show Radharani how to play the flute and she does. She can't get it quite right. <laughs> and Krishna becomes frustrated with her inability to play the flute. <laughs> uh, okay. Ravi Gopal Prabhu, you had a comment. Uh, I just had a small question, Maharaj. <coughs> mm-hmm. So the Ashtakali Lila with regard to Krishna's Ashtakali Lila, mm-hmm. what is the significance of uh, 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 that in the Gaudi Vaishnava life, uh, Maharaj? How uh, much we can adore and also do something? Well, um, yeah. <laughs> Ashtakali Alila, as I mentioned, it's described by Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. And Krishnadas Kaviraj uh, is as Gaudiya as you can get. I mean, he is the author of the Krishna, of the Chaitanya, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, he wrote Govinda Lilamrita earlier, apparently, showing that he's a very accomplished Sanskritist. And then he, in his later life, he wrote the Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is mainly Bengali, and then quoting a lot of uh, Sanskrit verses. Um, so, he, and he was he was simply following the six Goswamis. So it's as Gaudiya as you can get uh, in that sense. But um, we are cautioned. You know, um, 
I meant I mentioned before there's two kinds of sadhana bhakti. There's vaidhi sadhana bhakti and there's raga nuga sadhana bhakti. And so ashtakalya lila smarana is essentially a practice for uh, raga nuga sadhana bhakti, for which one is expected to receive blessings from one's guru to practice. Uh, we can still, you know, like we did today, just quoting a couple of verses. I think there's no harm in this, but uh, we do want to, you know, move forward in our spiritual lives and we want to relish Krishna's pastimes um, ever more deeply. And so the Goswamis, like Krishnadas Gamish, are, are facilitating, they're giving facility for such meditation. I had uh, good fortune uh, when I was doing research in Vrindavan for my, uh, um, my doctoral dissertation. It happened uh, that one of the Goswami families of the Radharaman community had organized a very special performance over a period of uh, several days. And it was a performance of the Ashtakalya Lila. But they were doing it, and I was invited. They were not inviting anyone and everyone to, to come, but uh, they kindly let me attend. <clears throat> and... The way they did it, they started, I think the first day they started at, um, what time, maybe six in the morning, and the performance went until nine. The next day was from nine till 12, the next day from 12 till three, the next day from three till six. In this way, they followed the whole cycle. Um, on the last night I was present, uh, they had to cut it short. They could not. Uh, complete it. Uh, and the reason was that a senior family member of that Goswami family had died that night. And they came on the stage and they said, we're very sorry, but we are now immediately, we have to go into mourning uh, out of respect. So that was, it was kind of... Uh, <laughs> You know, the rasa was going on, and then suddenly, whoop, okay, we have to stop now. <laughs> but the point is, uh, they were doing this. The main performers were deities. They had deities of Radha Krishna, small portable deities of Radha Krishna, and uh, Radha, sorry, Krishna and Balaram. And then they also had some sort of temporary murtis of gopalas and gopis. And uh, they were doing it in, it's hard to describe how they were doing it, but everything was kind of like slow motion and everything was being described in song by the kirtaniyas. They had this group of... Uh, uh, Kirtaniya's extremely expert group, um, I think the best in Vrindavan. I don't remember the name of the leader, but uh, anyway, it was a stunningly attractive performance. 
And the, the point is that doing with deities, it was possible to see how they do deity worship in the Radharaman temple behind the curtain, except this time everything was open. <laughs> we could see exactly how they make an offering of food, of boga, exactly how they put the deities to rest. Everything was there. But again, everything in kind of, kind of artful slow motion. It was quite amazing. And this is something they don't do every year. They do every 20 years or something like that. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we, we'll, let's take a short break, and uh, then we'll see you soon. Thank you, Maras. Hare Krishna. Let's proceed with our final session. So we're at the point now when Maharaj Parikshit asks a question. He says, O Brahmana, he's addressing Shugadev Goswami, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Lord of the universe, has descended to this earth along with his plenary portion to destroy irreligion and reestablish religious principles. Indeed, he is the original speaker, follower, and guardian of moral laws. How then could he have violated them by touching other men's wives? And uh, it's explained that in the purport that Maharaj Prakshad notices some members of the audience listening to Shugadev Goswami are not so spiritually advanced and they seem to have these doubts, so he's asking on their behalf. He goes on to ask, he's continuing the question with verse 28. Oh, faithful upholder of vows, please destroy our doubt by explaining to us what purpose the self-satisfied Lord of the Yadus had in mind when he behaved so contemptibly. Self-satisfied. Again, the word aptakama is here. Um, and now we also have the word jugupsitam, that which is contemptible. So this is raising the question and then begins Shugadev Goswami's answer with verse 29. Before we get to his answer, one part of uh, the explanation from Sanatana Goswami, I can share the screen again. So here, I'm, I'm skipping the first paragraph, uh, second paragraph, he says, there is another opposite meaning. He, the Lord, is the leader of the devotees, Yadupati, to give mercy to devotees. He sometimes transgresses dharma. And then comes a further doubt, quote, did he do condemned acts, jugupsitam, unquote? Answer, never. He has done what is approved by the devotees. Then, in quotes, the question, why? 
Answer. He desired to spread his prema through the rasa pastimes, optakama. By spreading prema, the highest result, he did not perform censured acts, but rather, by the rasa dance, he satisfied all the devotees. There can be no doubt about this. Moving his folded hands, Parikshit asked Shukadeva, to destroy the doubts of those assembled, including himself, out of humility. He says, destroyed, quote, generally, praya, unquote, since some persons present in the assembly, the devotees who know the conclusions of scripture and were inundated with rasa, had no doubts about the rasa pastimes filled with prema. I ask for the benefit of the inattentive members of the assembly. (laughs) This is not my doubt. Therefore, cut the chains of their doubts so they no longer have fear. Abhi, O Shugadeva, fixed in bhakti, (laughs) suvrata. That's funny. Uh, Their problem, the problem of some in the assembly is inattention. They're not paying attention carefully. Uh, Maharaj Prikshit's paying full attention because the clock is counting down. His life is coming to an end uh, within a matter of a couple of days or three days. And uh, he's fasting. He's completely focused. But he sees some are not so focused and he thinks, you know, they're going to have some ideas of what's going on. But here, I'm just giving you, Shukadev Goswami, an opportunity to set the record straight what is actually going on. So then uh, we have Shukadev Goswami's answer, which goes up through the end of the chapter. Um, And the verse, which you are... Memorizing verse 29, which has this analogy. Shishuka um, uvacha dharma vyatikramo drishta ishvaranam cha sahasam tejiyasang nadoshaya vahne sarvabujo yatha. Sugadev Goswami said, the status of powerful controllers is not harmed by any apparently audacious transgression of morality we may see in them, for they are just like fire, which devours everything fed into it and remains unpolluted. And then he's going to give, in the next verse, as a more specific example, that of Lord Shiva, uh, swallowing poison. He says, that's not something to imitate. It's it's actually a very graphic comparison uh, because it's instantly understandable. Of course, only Lord Shiva can drink the ocean of poison. And it suggests that anyone who's contemplating to imitate Lord Krishna in his pastime would be in the same uh, situation as someone imitating Lord Shiva drinking poison. 
Uh, it's especially interesting because on the one side, we understand it's dangerous, and yet uh, poison is poison. It's something horrible, whereas um, the, the gopis dancing with Krishna, we think it is beautiful, it is charming, and so on. It's beautiful and charming to hear about and to relish in that way, but not to imitate. Otherwise, boom, it becomes poison. And the churning of the ocean of milk, which initially produced poison, after Lord Shiva removes the poison, they resume the churning, and then come all the wonderful products. Then comes Lakshmi Devi, then comes Uchaishrava, um, Airavata, and eventually comes Danvantari with the Amrita. Mm. Well, here with the churning of the churning of the rasa dance, uh, the rasa, the amrita, what is beyond amrita, is is there for Krishna and his eternal associates, and it's for us to hear about. And by hearing about, we become purified. Uh, the opposite would be there if one tries to imitate. Instead of being purified, one would become um, very degraded. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so uh, he gives this analogy of fire, and the idea is someone who is powerful is able to act in a way which we are not able to act. Um, and for that person who is powerful, whatever their act is, even it may seem to be an improper act, um, their power, their internal power, uh, eliminates, just as fire eliminates impurity, uh, their power eliminates any, any fault. And um, where did I read it? Sanatana Goswami gives example. He gives two examples. One of them is Lord Brahma and his, soon after creation, chasing after his daughter. And it's interesting because he says um, there's no fault on the part of Brahma. Why? Because he's Brahma. He is... He is a great exalted, he's creator of the universe. How are you going to criticize him? How can you understand uh, what is happening with? Um, oh, I think I found it. No, that's not it. Anyway, um, it's in verse number 29 itself. Is it? Yeah. If you want, I can read it. Oh, yes, please. One sees acts of adharma in persons who are not dependent on dharma, Ishwarana, such as Brahma being attracted to his daughter, done without fear, Sahasam, or Bhaspati approaching the wife of Putitya, his elder brother. 
there's no fault in these powerful beings. Mm. An example is given. The fire burns everything, but yeah. does not become pure. Yes, I was I was uh, just looking for Sanatana Goswami's explanation. He was giving a bit more detail uh, than that. Oh, here it is. Yeah, it's also in 29. He says, One sees acts of adharma in persons who are not dependent on dharma. Yeah, that's Sanatana Goswami's explanation related. Yes, Ishvarhanam. Such as Brahma being attracted to his daughter, done without fear, sahasam, or Brihaspati approaching the wife of Utatya, his elder brother. I don't know that story. There is no fault in these powerful beings. An example is given. The fire burns everything but does not become impure. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a straightforward enough analogy. Um, I had a question, though, to consider. Let's see if I have it here. Hmm. Nope, I noted it somewhere else. It's all, it's great to make notes, but then when you can't find them, what's the use? <laughs> uh, okay, doesn't matter. Uh, some some have protested uh, that uh, this response from Sugadev Goswami about. Maharaj Brikshit's question is not very convincing. And I think they say that because uh, the feeling is that it's not addressing the moral di dimension, or it seems to be not addressing the moral dimension. Of course, we, un we understand. Mm, I found this amazing quote, uh, let's see if I can find it. <clears throat> now again, it's when you want to find something and then it's not there. Let's try. Oh, here. No, that's also not it. Okay, another time. <laughs> um, anyway, the complaint is that to say someone who is more powerful is beyond the scope of morality is a problem. Uh, to say that someone is immune. And this, this comes up all the time in, in public life. Someone who's in a, in a very powerful position does something which is, uh, which everyone says, that's, that's not proper. Uh, and um, that person should be, you know, punished just as an ordinary person would be punished. And others say, no, um, this person is an exception. 
because of his powerful, his or her uh, powerful position. This comes, you know, this comes in all kinds of ways and shapes and forms. Uh, we have the idea in which seems to have developed uh, in Europe, the rule of law, the idea of the rule of law. Oh, okay, an obvious example now. We have the present prime minister of, uh, of Great Britain uh, is in quite some hot, hot water uh, because it seems that he was involved in or allowing or encouraging gatherings in the back garden of number 10 Downing Street, which is uh, where the prime minister lives and does his work, um, despite there being strict regulations uh, of not associating because of the COVID situation. So in other words, he was he was making an exception, presumably because, yeah, we, we are the big shots. We can do this. Everyone else has to follow the rules. We don't have to follow the rules. Uh, that idea. And so they're saying he should step down. I mean, many people are saying he should, he should give up his position. And others are saying, no, he's, you know, he's in an important position. He shouldn't just give it up. So... Um, so that, that issue comes up, it's there. And here it is with Lord Krishna himself, <laughs> the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I mentioned, I think, I guess it was in the first session that uh, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur addresses this in his book, booklet uh, called The Bhagavata, its philosophy, ethics, and theology. And he basically addresses this point uh, because it's a point of criticism amongst his colleagues. He was a member of what was known as the Bhadralok, the educated class, who were basically trained to um, be functionaries in the government of uh, the colonial power, the British power. and. Uh, so his colleagues were criticizing the Bhagavatam. This is one of the reasons they were criticizing, uh, that this is immoral. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur is saying, no, it's not immoral. There's no question of immorality because look who has written the Bhagavatam. None other than Srila Vyasadeva. Do you think, and he's, he's quite polemical in his tone, he says, uh, how can you think... That, that Srila Vyasadeva, who is the author of all the Vedic literature, would indulge in describing something uh, which is less than the highest morality. So like that, uh, he's, he's defending. The point being uh, that this was an issue, and for some it continues to be an issue, but what I want to say is that uh, what we find in verses 20, well, starting with the question, uh, was it verse 26? 
or 27, um, through to the end of the chapter, uh, this serves as a kind of enclosure, a kind of uh, moral enclosure, so to say, around the rasa dance. So if we think of the rasa dance, the rasa lila, again, as a kind of mandala, then this sets up a kind of protective seal around this mandala, <clears throat> a, a seal of warning to not misunderstand, not misinterpret. And then the very last verse is kind of giving a, pa a narrow passageway, an, a passageway into the rasa dance, an invitation to hear the rasa dance properly and be purified. And the point of that final verse is, um, what is the aim in hearing the rasa dance? First, that has to be established. What should be the aim of hearing? It should be to become purified. And therefore, uh, and then in the verse it's saying, yes, and you will be purified. Anyone will be purified um, by hearing it. So then we can go to... Mm. Sanatana Goswami's commentary, and he says, he says, um, Okay, I'm jumping a little bit. He says, one should hear with faith because otherwise one cannot achieve the highest bhakti since rasa will not arise. With faith, one will then hear continually, anushrinuyat. Or, nu means certainly, nu shrinuyat. After getting faith, one will certainly hear, or new indicates a choice. One may hear, or new recite varnayet, the pastimes. Or anu means everything mentioned. One should hear, chant, and remember, though not mentioned, since all produce the highest bhakti. Of the three activities, remembrance is superior. Chanting is next, and then hearing. That's interesting that he's giving that hierarchy. The word yaha, who, indicates that it does not depend on qualification. Anyone who hears, chants, or remembers will attain at every moment, every, ever new, pratilabhya, prema, param bhaktim. He will destroy desire, which is the disease of the heart. This excludes desire directed to the Lord, 
since kama, directed to the Lord, gives the opposite result, the highest sweetness. He becomes the knower of the truth about all matters, dira, or his heart again becomes disturbed by desire, spiritual, spiritual desire. These are accompanying results of attaining prema. That prema is the main result. These results also occur by hearing and chanting. What can be said about his pastimes, which appear to have material lust, criticized by all? These extra results are thus mentioned. The lust between Krishna and the gopis is a special form of mature prema and not material lust. This is explained in Bhagavatamrita. Or, the intelligent person considering the matter, diraha, attaining bhakti with kama, quickly destroys the pain in the heart due to not attaining Krishna. This means that he attains the Lord. And then he ends uh, the chapter saying, May this be for the pleasure of the Lord, who is the form of consciousness, who has made this fool dance internally and externally by his pastimes. Srila <laughs> Sanatan Goswami Padaki Jai. So, um, so then, in that way, basically we come to the end of our our discussion. I wanted to suggest a few things we could um, reflect on further, or you can reflect on. Um, I mentioned a kind of mandala in the beginning uh, on the first day speaking of the Bhagavatam as a whole. And um, let me share my little quick sketch of that with you. So I have to again share the screen. Okay. <laughs> Can you see this uh, little chart? I wanted to make it look nicer. I, I had a file with a much nicer presentation, but I couldn't find it. Um, so let's imagine this circle, uh, the larger circle, as the Bhagavatam. And let's imagine this smaller circle in the center is the Rasa Panchadhyaya, the Rasa Lila. And then we have a kind of um, yantra, kind of mandala. And on the bottom we have the, the whole Vedic corpus, we may want to call it, the extended Vedic corpus, beginning with the Veda Samhitas and so on. And the Bhagavatam is connected with these. It is a commentary on them. Um, it's illuminating the first canto is a kind of, in many ways, a commentary on the, on the, the 
Mahabharata. And um, the two chapters in the ninth canto on the Ram, Ram Lila, you could say, is a commentary on Valmiki Ramayana, and so on. We could go on and on about that. And then we have the commentaries of our Vaishnava Acharyas, and most centrally we have Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And so we have the Chaitanya Charitamrita as a commentary on the Srimad Bhagavatam. And we have Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself as the ideal listener to the Bhagavatam. He's always hearing his close associates recite the Bhagavatam. Uh, and when he hears Tavakatamritam Tapta Jivanam Kaviberiritam Kalmashapam, he's overwhelmed and he jumps up and he shouts, Burida, Burida. Um, so that uh, is with all the extensive commentaries of the Acharyas, and for us, especially Srila Prabhupada, who is bringing together commentaries of previous Acharyas. Um, in this way, we get illumination of the Bhagavatam. And then over here, we have ourselves, sadhakas, trying to be sadhakas. And with ourselves, we have our own, our own life experiences and we have all that we have learned from everyone that we have learned from, beginning with our first guru, namely our mother, and then our father, and then so many teachers, relatives, and so on. And this is also illuminating our understanding of the Bhagavatam. And then over here on the other side, we have what I'm calling Nana Shastrani, Nana Dharmaha and Nana Sadhava. And by this, I mean all the different religious traditions of the world. Whereby Srila Prabhupada said in one, um, at the end of one lecture, someone asked him about one French saint, uh, Joan of Arc, <laughs> from, from the late from the Middle Ages, uh, what about her? And Prabhupada said if she is something like if she's teaching about God, then that is also Bhagavatam. Her story is also. So there, these um, traditions may, in some respects, illuminate our appreciation of Bhagavatam. And then we can turn it around and we can say the Bhagavatam is our source of light. And it is the Bhagavatam, um, it's, this, it's the sun that rises in the age of Kali. Krishna svadamo pagate dharma jnana dibisaha klo nashta drishamesha puranarko adunodipa adunodita udita so the light for this age, and it's illuminating for us outward. We read um, through the Bhagavatam, th 
through the Bhagavatam, our lives are illuminated. Through the Bhagavatam, we have understanding of the Mahabharata, the Ramayana, the everything, the Upanishads, the Vedas. Through the Bhagavatam, we understand what the Acharyas are talking about, what Lord Chaitanya is all about. And through the Bhagavatam, we understand what's going on uh, in other traditions. Now, if we go further into the center and we consider Rasalila, <laughs> if, we, if we have a deep understanding of Rasalila, can we see, and I just bring this as a question, if we see it as the center of the Bhagavatam, can we, in effect, look through the, uh, the Rasalila to see everything? Can we look through the Rasalila to illuminate the rest of the Bhagavatam. If we look back on the cantos one through nine uh, and consider them as being in some ways or other anticipating the Rasalila, uh, what sort of uh, deeper understanding might come? Okay. Um, that was my little pitch. Um, so then, yeah, I think uh, that's, I think I've talked enough today. <laughs> I want to hear something from you all. Um, after we've had 10 days of Rasalila, if you have any reflections, I would be interested to hear any thoughts. General, general. I prefer more general uh, reflection now than something more specific. Ananta Gorsundar, do you have some, a more general thought? Can I ask a question? Well, let, let, let's wait and see if there's something from others. Uh, we haven't. Maybe from some we have not heard from so much. Um, Krishna Kanaya has been very quiet. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So I, I'm just uh, trying to absorb uh, everything I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is uh, quite quite uh, new material for me. This <laughs> commentary, yeah, Anatma Goswami from Kavi Karnapura and, and others. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, actually, I I, I don't know. I, I I mean I try to just uh, hear as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly the perfect thing to do. <laughs> Sometimes I, I, I see devotees there, like uh, continuous some topics and asking questions. I feel like, you know, small uh, Narada Muni, you know, mm. <laughs> who was listening. Uh, oh, baby. The, yeah, small child. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But no, of course, not so qualified. But still, I feel like like him. 
like uh, mm. quite interested to hear so so uh, in general say uh, i can say i explore explore the rasalila till some some degree mm. now i can say something about it if uh, i will will be asked yeah. i feel confidence to talk about it yeah yeah i'm appreciated so, uh, so much for that because before that if you ask me something about rasalila i probably uh, will avoid the the, <laughs> yeah. the conversation right no that's good um we really have just kind of touched the surface uh of the subject um but that's a good start for all of us i think and we can feel we can feel that this is not something to be afraid of i think this final verse of the of chapter 33 um is so welcoming and encouraging to us that sort of we can we can now take that final verse and carry it with us and we can go through the rasalila again you know we can feel some safety in that way and appreciate more deeply each time yeah this is um it's what one scholar calls religious reading reading again and again and again not to just try to get something and run with it but to relish it nigamakalpatoror galitang palam shukumukadamritanravasamyatam pivata bhagavatam rasamalayam mahuraho yes Thank you. Anyone else want to comment something? What about Jalangi Devi? You look like you want to say something. Hare Krishna Maharaj. I'm feeling very much inspired by your instructions. <laughs> if I if you allow me to share, I want to share. Mm. I by your instructions, I understand one artist in China why he always uh, paint circles. Oh. He's quite famous. <laughs> Yes, and he has a big character. He is actually into Buddhism, uh-huh. and he donated a very nice ashram to one of them. We have five uh, Buddhist mountains in China, yes. and one mountain, uh, the temple president on the top, but underneath of him has more than 140 other small temples. Uh-huh. So he's related to that, and he donated an ashram. And one day I was visiting that ashram. He saw me wearing a dress with circles, which I bought in India. Uh, then he's fascinated and started to talk. I, I just thinking why he's so much into circle. And then by our instructions, we are reading so many things about mandala. Mm. And I understand actually circle represents a kind of perfection. Mm. So I, I thought a point I can I can talk with him and and through him to preach to his Buddhist uh, Buddhist friends yes. about our concept of perfection. Yeah, <laughs> very good. That can be that can be a point of entry into uh, preaching to these people. Very nice. <laughs> and also, can I share one small comment? Okay. Because I was thinking um, about Srinivas Gopal Prabhu mentioning about rhythm. 
Mm. Also related to this circle, because when we're worshiping the deities, we draw a Goloka Yantra. So mm. it's a circle inside two triangles. Yeah. And then outside we have eight petals. Mm-hmm. So in one sense, I'm thinking maybe we can uh, harmonize different rhythms at the same time. In I I find out on my diary in 2013, Radha Paul. Uh, Prabhu, he's teaching kartal to students, I'm among them, mm. and at one exercise, he asked one student to play one rhythm like da, 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 and the second student is like double speed, da, 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 and then the third student is like double the speed, and the fourth student is more double the speed, <laughs> and when all of us, we can do like eight speeds, Ah. And it's also very harmonious, very interesting, I was thinking. Huh. And also, he, that time he said, uh, kartal, the rhythm, rhythm originally coming from the Sanskrit tal. He yeah. said tal is from Lord Shiva's dance, Tandava. Ah. And ah. then they, um, la means lion uh, from um, Parvati's dance. Anyway, so mm. together become tala. So that is mm. the origin of rhythm. And he also mentioned by our begging him again and again, he mentioned the original, the most ori- like Adi rhythm is when Krishna and Radharani, they were sleeping and it's time for them to wake up as in Paris would sing first. But actually before Paris sing, Radharani would, or Radharani would wake up first and actually she would sing something. She, he, he told us is like confidential, but I need you to confirm maybe you can clarify and he said the rhythm radharani sings that is the original uh, rhythm from that rhythm all the music like coming coming after so i i just feel interesting yes that's all i can say it's very interesting it sounds good <laughs> thank you Hare Krishna. Uh, Hare Krishna. atul krishna from uh, Maharaj, in this uh, reading, the general observation, first thing which I found, like um, uh, somebody was asking that brahmacharis are not supposed to read, uh, Prabhupada said, mm. but I was feeling when we read all this, uh, through this, when we were reading, uh, we read in, uh, almost the entire chapters and we went through it, but there was not even, uh, you know, any time which anything came up as if we could uh, feel as a lusty thing or something. So I was thinking, mm-hmm. is the power of Acharya's commentaries and the person who presents it mm-hmm. so that uh, in the old, although seemingly they are lusty affairs, but how uh, in a devotional way uh, they were explained by Acharya's and Maharaj, you explained it very nicely. Mm-hmm. So this was one my observation, which I saw. Also, I saw is that how we can see the things, one thing with the different angles, the same thing uh, can be seen by various angles, mm-hmm. how the different acharyas were presenting it. Yes. And uh, another thing which I found was that the, each word of Bhagavatam is so potent. Yes. Like um, Sanatan Goswami was just giving with one word, or this can be like this, or this can be like this, or this can be like this. <laughs> yeah. So each word of Bhagavatam is just like alive, speaking mm. in a different way. Yes. This was just my some of the observations. Good. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> you gave me some reassurance by your comments that I'm not completely off the track. <laughs> uh, 
Hema Gopi Devi. Hare Krishna Maharaj, I I want to thank you very from bottom of my heart uh, that you helped me explore these chapters. Um, before joining Bhakti Vedanta, I have never studied these chapters. Even in Krishna book, mm. I'll just give it a skip. I say, you know, why mess up? You know, it's better to skip than to mess. So, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the way you made it, like you brought it in a way with that um, drama with five acts. Mm-hmm. And this was something very relatable to me because I have studied things like Shakespeare and, you know. Oh, so, okay. you took something very relatable and then uh, you helped us connect to that that dimension that was very, very um, not scary, but something very (laughs) awe-inspiring. And uh, uh, so you made it, and uh, not only we talked about uh, Italian lady in Vrindavan and Oxford, and you know, so Rasamandala can include the whole entire world. It's a very inclusive presentation because um, it wasn't, uh, there was no fear. It was like a Yukta Vairagya in action. In I could see that everything can be utilized in Krishna's service. So now talking about it is very comfortable because I know this topic can interest everyone. Mm. And the questions were very thought-provoking and the answers we derived were also very wonderful. So <laughs> overall, it was very uh, uh my fear is very less now, so I want to <laughs> express my gratitude for that, Maharaj. Thank you oh, very much. Good, thank you. I like that yukta vairagya in action. <laughs> yes. Um, well, we're taking more time than usual, but since it's our last day, maybe that's okay for whoever needs to go now. That's fine. Uh, and uh, we can hear uh, comments that you have Hari Lila Prabhu, you want to say something, and then Ramakrishna Prabhu, and then Bhimala Prasad Prabhu, and then I think we should end. Hare Krishna Maharaj, uh, I want Hare. to really thank you because uh, I don't know if I would have ever had the guts to read uh, Ras Lila uh, in such detail. <laughs> uh, or to even think of exploring it in such depth. Hmm. So uh, it, it is. It was the most safest way for me to do it because uh, so many Vaishnavas uh, were there, and uh, you were actually leading the charge. So <laughs> I was quite comfortable uh, sitting through it. Uh, but in the end, uh, I should admit that personally, it is very overwhelming for me. Uh, if this is perfection. And if this is the dance which uh, at some day I'm expecting myself to be, I think it's going to take a lot of time. (laughs) Well, it may or may not take much time, but um, however much time it takes, take it this way. We have, um, the goal is worth it. You know, when... When you have a goal that's worthwhile, then you do whatever is necessary to get there, right? Yes. Of course, it can take millions of lifetime, but it is worth it. It's that worth, I have no doubt. About. That's that's the point. <laughs> Thank you. Ramakrishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Uh, 
Tendras Maharaj. It is so interesting that uh, you made a very end of this session with a picturesque note of circles, concentric circles. Mm. And uh, I could try to relate it from the second canto, 10th chapter, second verse, which says, Dashamasya Vishuddhyartam Navanam Ihalakshanam. Just to bring the focus onto the 10th canto's topic, mm. all the nine are arranged from all different directions. Mm. So we try to weave upon the different uh, uh, cantos so far to come to reach to this very central core mm. of the Srimad And also you, uh, what do you call, uh, you raised a question and also tried to trigger our understanding. When you are in the center, how do you see all around you? Mm-hmm. So you brought us to that point. From the 10th canto, how did you understand the rest of the cantos? Mm-hmm. So you talked about Nana Shastrani, Nana Dharmani, and so on. So if we have understood that central, the epicenter of it, then how can we relate to the entirety of all other references? So this was something very interesting. As we see from the Goswami's literature, even the Shad Goswami's Astaka, which says Nana Shastra, which are Anaika Purva. Yes. So which says that because they have churned the entire Shastric references and thereby they conclude that the ultimate worship or the most worshipable object is Radha and Krishna. Right. So through that, everything becomes absolutely clear. Mm. And that is something that... Uh, and also I was little... Uh, when, I, when I saw those two circles, as uh, you are leading, the, um, leading us through this entry into it, it was like entering into the uh, Kurukshetra war, wherein circles <laughs> of uh, uh, army are there, and you know how the way to get into it. But hopefully, but hopefully not like Abhimanyu. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think by the end of this 33rd chapter, we understood that you have brought us out safely also. <laughs> so that gives us a additional comfort in, in that perspective. So this was a perfect, uh, really it was a perfect dance, the disciples dancing to the tune of the master. And uh, I, I really thank uh, you for that. And also the insights. You you actually took us to this uh, entire five chapters twice. And uh, first you gave the insight with the verses and then uh, a little bit of BBT commentary and uh, some personal discussions. But then the second aspect of the week was, uh, though we missed one one day, you you managed to really gallop and then bring us to the same uh, level of understanding. And that was to churn from the Acharya's mood and basically from Sanatana Goswami, who has so many different ways to actually relate to this. And uh, that exceptions of R and R and R and R was actually a continuous journey. <laughs> probably, probably somebody must have told Sanatana Goswami, it's okay, it's okay, you can go ahead for the next verse. Otherwise, probably we <laughs> would go on for writing another whole Bhagavatam itself. <laughs> so... Yeah. That was the real dip that he had actually taken. And uh, that was all interesting. And you made it so interesting for us that uh, we take a lot of uh, dip into the whole Bhagavatam. And this is how one should actually relate to that. Mm. I, I heartily thank you from the core of my heart. And you made it so easy for us. And uh, thereby, we can try to uh, approach to that kind of a vision to mm. relish Srimad Bhagavatam. Thank you so much, Maharaj. Hi, Krishna. Uh, thank you for your kind words. Bhimala Prasad Prabhu. Krishna Maharaj, um, first and foremost, uh, 
my heartiest uh, thanks and gratitude to you. I just wanted to express. I had got many things like uh, first and foremost, what, what I what what clearly uh, like touched me is your very non-defensive approach you took while discussing this these chapters because uh, my short experience uh, in devotional career in ISKCON, I have seen like temple what to speak of individuals even temples shy away from discussing these chapters so much so that they will come up till 10th canto to 13th chapter and they will go back to the first canto. <laughs> yes. Won't even complete the Bhagavatam at once. It's like that was one thing. And I, I that was one of my one of my uh, prime reasons for uh, joining Bhakti Vedanta as I wanted to see that now that like it is part of the course now, yeah. how do devotees take it up, how we are going to approach it. So right. it's yeah, like yeah. that because it's like as if talking about Krishna was a taboo <laughs> in ISKCON. <laughs> like the, the Krishna consciousness movement has got a taboo of uh, speaking about speaking Krishna. About so, Krish. then, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, but to speak of like uh, giving and when you in the beginning when you said that there is a world of Bhagavatam and then there is the Bhagavatam in the world. I was just the second part I was now thinking now, now now that we are inside the world of Bhagavatam, how is it that we are going to present this Bhagavatam to the world? Because all these things that generally we hear from the world mm-hmm. about what what wrongs did Krishna did, mm-hmm. and we are always more apologetic. Uh, uh, seems like as we we are very apologetic in our approach. Yeah. So I was just waiting like, and I I I don't see. Uh, uh, I, I cannot even imagine this. I, I, I'm get uh, me getting anybody even more competent than your sangha. Uh, <laughs> like uh, f- from the core of my heart, Vish. I'm saying that. Vish, I mean no, it. <laughs> but what? yeah, it's like because because and I'll, I'll 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 tell you why. Because I saw uh, uh, you g- g- coming uh, on and approaching the uh, subject from a variety of angles. Hmm. From scholastic point of view, from academic point of view, from devotional perspective, it's like the way you included Garuda Prabhu's uh, Dance of the Divine Love book on one extent. Hmm. Then even the uh, at a point, uh, some point of time, like the uh, when some sort of Sanskrit uh, is required to to understand because after all that's the lingua franca that they, they that was in use, and at the same time. Uh, like small exercises which you, you which you gave us to contemplate, like say for example, these are the pictures of Bhagavatam, and there is a particular gentry and audience coming up to you. How do you explain? Because those are the windows of spiritual world. Mm-hmm. So, so like not just from the you know, entering Bhagavatam is one thing, but now like how we're taking the Bhagavatam outside. So I found because like uh, because it otherwise quite counterintuitive. That Prabhupada, in, in, as we would like to believe, uh, gave lots of quote-unquote saviors about 10th canto. And the first thing he did after like, uh, one of the first things he did before he even reached 10th canto was to give the 10th canto as a summary. Mm. So it's just like an counterintuitive. So then, uh, which means that like it, 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 it is not, but still it has to be. Just like in Ch- Chaitanya Chaitanya, many places it says that 
these topics should not be discussed. <laughs> but then why Krishna Das Kaviraj is discussing it's not to be discussed. Right. <laughs> what is the point? So then, so it's that's like that thing. But I just wanted to like that's what I was waiting for. So how like uh, senior uh, uh, devotees and prominent devotees in our uh, our our society address this. So mm-hmm. I am like whatever. I mean, I have no words to thank you, Maharaj. Uh, like the yeah, the more I say, the less it would be. Uh, <laughs> thank you so very much, Maharaj. <laughs> Thank you. Well, um, I want to express my thanks for all of you. Um, whatever I've been able to uh, to bring to the subject, uh, it's really only because I've felt immediately that uh, we all together are are blessed to do this um, by Srila Prabhupada and all the acharyas. And because uh, you have all been very, um, very determined. I mean, just the fact you're carrying on this Bhaktivedanta course week after week after week after week uh, for two and a half hours, five days a week, not many people can do that sort of thing. Is uh, It's all very amazing to me. And I wish I could do that. <laughs> I don't, I have other duties that would make it difficult. Anyway, so I I seek all of your blessings to be able to continue in some way to um, hear the Bhagavatam, read the Bhagavatam, and to do so in association with devotees such as yourself. And I want to wish you all the best uh, in your ongoing study of the Bhagavatam, completion of the Course. The Course, you know, in one sense, that's that's a detail. The substance of it is, what is it that we are get, um, cultivating in ourselves? It's the Bhakti Lata. And, uh, you know, it's not about earning degrees or whatever. It's about cultivating and then sharing the wealth uh, which we are given. So I also want to thank the Mayapur Institute of Higher Education, again, Radhika Nagar Prabhu, for his kindly inviting me. And uh, yes, I'm sure we will see all of you in due course of time again. So I'll say thank you all very much. Vancha kalpa turubhyascha. Kripasindubya evacha, Patitanam Pavanebhyo, Vaishnavebhyo, Namo Namaha, Anantakoti Vaishnavavinda ki jai, Krantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Nitai Gaura Premanande, Hari 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 Krishna. Thank you, Maharaj. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Hare.